Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your long-lost host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. He has returned. Who has returned? You? You have returned. Oh, I have returned. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, so we, um, you guys, you and Jeff recorded last week. Yep, yeah. But the week before, we didn't put out one. No, we didn't, no. So do you want to know what happened? I, I do want to know what happened. Okay, here's what happened. We had a special treat. A special guest was that, I was recording the podcast because I had preached the message and then I went and taught at seminary. And so I recorded the podcast with Robbie. And the idea was like, Robbie is going to be the co-host for that week. Yeah. And so we set it up and we recorded it. You did record it? We did. Why did you not send it over? Because we realized after we were done, 45 minutes into it, only his audio recorded. <laughs> My track froze and didn't record. Oh, no. And we thought, it's so I genuinely tried and I thought about, I need to release this podcast of just a one-sided conversation. That'd be great. Robbie. Yeah. Just cut out all the parts of me talking. I mean, what a golden opportunity to like put in whatever you want into the, I, well, you could also thing. do that. I, yeah. I could have done that. I thought about, I did. Well, so I, I so my first thought was, could I just, re, I, could I just cut out all the parts, all the dead space? And just have it be Robbie's thoughts. And even I thought, could we preface it by just saying, hey, listen, my half didn't, but you know, didn't get captured. And then I thought, well, could I re-record certain parts and just like base, like go through and listen to everything he said and just come up with questions that would fit like, hey, tell us about this thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do any of that because I didn't, I ran out of time. So that's why we didn't have a podcast from two weeks ago. It was both going to be so awesome. And here's the bummer. Once we got rolling, it was actually, I think it was a good one. I'm sure it's great. It was, it was You guys fun. recorded a hundred podcasts before. I know. Like it's kind I of the, the OG team. Like It is the OG team. Yeah. So anyway, that's what happened. And that's sad. I mean, we, in fairness, we had to, I mean, it was, we were cobbling together equipment. Obviously we didn't have our sure, right. podcast studio. So we had to record into two different things and it was what I was recording into cut off and I didn't. Obviously it wasn't know. great. Yeah. And uh, we, the other funny thing was Joey was next door yelling. And so <laughs> of course, of course he back. was. Yeah. Like at the end, towards the end, he was doing great. And then he, um, so, cause we were in the like the dorm rooms. Okay. And so he was next door. And uh, so that would have been funny. We were, we were laughing about that. Like it was so funny that people would hear in the background. Just Joey. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. And uh, nothing. Oh, so man. here we are back. I'm back and I'm glad to be back. Back in the saddle. And I'm pretty sure that everybody, everyone has told me how quiet it was the last two weeks when Tiffany and me were both. Oh my goodness. The, the uh, yeah, the, the clamor. Uh, that the office has been today has been great. It's been jo a joyous clamor. When I say a clamor, I a mean like a, like a Christmas clamor. You know, like a, oh, isn't that in one of the Christmas poems? They're like they're a rose, Such a rose-colored a... ladder. Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is this is brutal. We're derailing really quickly. No, it's been it's clatter. It, it was. I like, we give you a clatter. That's a okay. Scottish. This this really thing. is derailing really quickly. That's isn't that a Scottish phrase for like I'm gonna punch you. I have something? no idea. No, I'm please don't give punch you a clatter. Nope. I don't. Yep, pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Well, if anyone out there has a Scottish knowledge of Scottish yeah, parlance, yeah, Ooh, uh, there you go. That's good. Speaking of that, Spe prayer. Speaking of parlance, prayer. Yeah, there you go. You preached on prayer. Yeah, James five. And you did not tell us why is it a prayer of a righteous man powerful 
and effective and it's working. I'm pretty sure I did. Did you? Didn't I tie that up at the end? Yeah. Apparently, I didn't tie it up well enough. I so at the end there, the that, okay. Well, that let's, section, talk about let's, that. let's talk about let's that. Let's talk about it's that. Kind of sandwich let's, right let's in the middle. Let's begin where you ended. Begin where I ended. I was well. I was talking about. So if you'll rewind for a moment, uh, God's family on mission, and I was saying. I remember that. How we are, God's family on mission, and our mission, um, is fueled by prayer. Like part of the righteous person's the the power of prayer is the reliance on Christ seeing God at work and walking in what he has called us to walk in and and so i think a, the the prayer of the righteous person is great and it's working is is directly tied to the prayer of faith is that um that is that is what is our that is our lifeblood that's our oxygen is, is prayer so i like you i'll allow it okay <laughs> okay you agree disagree no i don't disagree i i yeah it's so it's a really that's one of those verses that gets pulled out of context and used in a particular way. So often it gets interpreted as the prayer, like that equating righteousness to works righteousness. Right, right, yeah. And also what you did, I thought you did a really good job of addressing the fact that it's not, it's not that if you're if your prayers aren't being answered in the way that you want them to be answered, then it's evidence of your lack of righteousness or right. your lack of faith. Um, I think that's a really important distinction. But at the same time, there is like a connection there, and we didn't really get to talk about that there, but there's a, there's a connection in that passage between um, sin and prayers for healing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I here's Here's the thing, like, and I'm going to take it even a step back before we even do that, maybe to help preface this, is something that really stuck with me, and maybe I maybe I should have hit on this on Sunday a little bit. It, it's something we've talked a lot about over the course of James, the book of James as a whole, is how much James leaned heavily on the Sermon on the Mount, and he really leaned heavily on Jesus' teaching throughout the course of of this letter. And and I, I couldn't help but think of like, well, how did Jesus pray? What was prayer like in yeah. the Sermon on the Mount? It was complete reliance on God. And so when we talk about things like sin, I think it's it's if we're doing a disservice to James when we think of sin as just you didn't do the right thing or you did too many bad things instead of looking at sin as the brokenness and distortion of the world. Like, of course, like um, part of part of sin is your moral failings and your, you know, that that is a part of it, but even more so, um, sin is a part of the brokenness of the world. So it, it lends itself to the fact that when we are faithful, when we are faithfully relying on Christ, we see the redemptive work that Christ is doing in the work. We participate in the redemptive work that God is doing in the world. And so like, I, I think that we've, we've undercut what faith actually is and that's why i really wanted to like talk about confidence in christ we've right. we've 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 nailed like faith and righteousness to you doing the morally right thing or you doing the morally wrong thing rather than having a what i think is a more robust and biblical view of what faith righteousness and sin all are yeah so when you're talking about faith here's something really fascinating robbie actually shared this with me he he taught so i taught missiology this past term which is just the mission of god and and the study of that and robbie 
spoke was my guest lecturer for two classes where awesome. he talked about cross cultural. So they um, got the podcast and live. They got the podcast saying. live, right? <laughs> yeah, and um, it was fantastic, of course. But the one of the things he said was talking about different languages and how you know we know that in our translations we have these. Um, English, the English language sometimes falls short. Like we don't have a word for thing. There are words that exist in some cultures that we don't, it's only a concept for us. We don't have a word for it. And I forget which language it was when the Bible is translated into one language, the word faith in one particular culture. And Robbie actually listens to the podcast. So he's going to be cringing right now as I'm saying, so I'm trying to leave this as generic as possible. No, no, he's going to be cheering. He is cheering you on Only if I get this right. But he said that there's a language in which the word faith means to believe a thing at the exclusion of all other things. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we have the word faith, and it's very generic and very kind of like like hope. Like I can have faith in a lot of things. Right, right. But there's this particular language where the word faith, that the word that they have for faith means I believe in this thing at the exclusion of everything else which is much closer to what we know as biblical faith, which is faith is not just like, oh, I believe in that, like I believe in these other things. It's I'm all in. It's the treasure hidden in a field. It's like it, it's Jesus saying anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit yeah, for the kingdom. Yeah. It's like faith and what James talks about in this of like the double-minded man, um, like not being the double-minded man, like not doubting, that's – the idea of faith stands opposed to that. That faith is, I'm all in with Jesus to the exclusion of all other things. So now the prayer of faith in that context, um, you know, when he says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Clearly, that's talking about more than just a physical healing, yep, yep. you know, because we don't know. I mean, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and and the Lord will raise him up. So, so that this is putting your hope and your trust in the kingdom and saying, okay, that's that's what we want, and we trust that that's that's what God is going to do. That this prayer of faith saves us, um, which means that we can trust that all things will be restored and renewed. And our healing will come, whether it's here on this side of eternity or, you know, on the other side, we are confident that 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 prayer will save us. So I think that I think that there's definitely something in there about like our our understanding of the term faith, our understanding of I think that's why some people connect the sins and the healing with the um, this is one of the passages that you'll get some traditions that'll say, well, if you're sick, that means you have an unconfessed sin. Right. Right. So that's, this is that passage. Mm -hmm. And if you read it as, okay, well, if I'm physically ill, that's because I have some unconfessed sin. Well, if you read it like that, well then, yeah, I can see why that would make sense that therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And some people will look at that and say, yeah, see, there you go. The reason you have cancer, the reason you're, the, you know, this, um, that you're struggling with this means you're, you have unconfessed sin. And so I've had conversations with people who are led down roads by, you know, people in the church who will say, okay, well, let's, we got to dig. We got to find the unconfessed sin so that you can be healed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, here, I was not. 
It's not. And, and, and I feel like it's such a small view of what's actually being presented here. And it goes so against everything else we read in scripture of God using brokenness to his glory and to his redemption. And so you've talk, you can talk to a lot of people who have gone through really heavy seasons of suffering, through seasons of illness, who were not healed in the immediate moment, and God used that for works they could have never expected because, because that's just what he does. He uses, God uses, um, he uses the brokenness of the world to shine his glory right like he uses the change that he uses the redemption of that to uh show us his his goodness and glory and so you know i i even think of like it's interesting the example with elijah like there's three and a half years of no rain right and then there is a and then rain comes afterwards and he's like there's there's a time period there you know like you may not be healed immediately god's going to use that season for something you're you may maybe you are healed immediately. there are stories of people who are healed immediately and there are yes and that's you know that is also used um for god's glory but i mean like there's an example uh, jesus with the blind man who you know they who sinned this man or his parents that he is blind you know and jesus says neither but so that you know god's glory may be on display and that's i i think like if we think of it in terms of just like man, if you are not healed, it's because you have unconfessed sin. We are we have a really small view. We have a really small view of prayer and the power of prayer. Well, and a small view of healing. I mean, so if you believe that the kingdom of God is that treasure in a field, that if you believe that it is everything, then the things of this earth, and as James has already said, like what it your life is but a mist. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, it's a vapor. It's like fleeting. And so if we understand that, then James is pointing out saying like, listen, the, in your suffering, God is doing something in that and, and, and bringing about the kingdom in your heart to be prepared to enter the kingdom one day fully. Like the kingdom is here, but it's not here. Like it's, it's already, but not yet. Like there's these, this tension that we live in. And as we're living in that tension, our suffering in the here and now matters, and it matters to God, and there's grief in that, and he meets us there in that, but he he doesn't waste it. He works it for good, and whether, um, and whatever it does, he's working towards restoration in our lives and healing um, and, and joy. So once you get that perspective, we have to remember that the early church has got this very big picture view now of the kingdom of God, that it's here, but it's also Jesus is returning. And they don't know when he's going to return, but they, they believe it's imminent. And, and, um, and so they're just so fixated on that. They're so focused on that, that that's what actually is, that's the real healing. You know, it would, it would be like, you know, if, if you, if you struggle, if you had battled cancer and, you know, if you came into the office and they, you know, and they do all the scans and everything and they said to you like, Hey, we've got, we've got bad news. It looks like you sprained your ankle. Like you, 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 know, you tripped on the way in. It looks like you sprained your ankle. So you're going to have to be, you know, that that's going to hurt for a while. And if you said, well, like, what about the cancer? Oh, the cancer's gone. Like we ran the scan and yeah, like, yeah, right. cancer's gone. Right. Like you would not care at all about, you, you could have ankle surgery. They could say you broke your ankle and you're going to need surgery on your ankle. And yeah. you would, it wouldn't matter because this bigger thing that is so much bigger has been dealt with. And I think 
James is calling that out a little bit of saying like, listen, if you're sick, by all means, call the elders together, anoint your heads with oil, like pray and pray in faith that God is going to heal and with confidence. But understand like this healing that you have, like this is much, this much greater healing. And when you have that, then everything else is, you know, like is so small in comparison to this greater thing. Our problem is a lot, I think, is that we just don't see that. Like we say it, we give lip service to the fact of like, man, my sins are forgiven. Um, and so that's what I am most concerned about. Um, and yet in real life, we actually experience like, we feel like that's not, because it's so intangible, right? Like it just, yeah, so yeah. it doesn't feel like it's as big. Like, yeah, I'm really glad that I'm going to be in heaven someday with Jesus and all things are going to be made right. But I really wish I felt better today. I really wish I didn't have this illness I really wish I didn't struggle with this thing. Yeah, it's a lot like what Jeff preached about last week it, with with being patient. And I, I told Jeff this is something that just has always stuck out with me, is that um, he he has always one of the first things I remember him preaching when he first came here was if you are looking to grow in patience, go and find the longest line at the grocery store and right. go and stand in it. Um, basically saying like if you want to grow in patience, you're going to find things that are going to make you patient. In the same way we grow in faith when, when the things in our, so it's a really interesting definition that you, you, uh, the illustration of faith is believing in something specific and also not the other things like, yeah. yeah, to the exclusion of other things is okay. Like what does it look like then to grow in our faith in such a way as like God is taking those other things out of our life. God is weeding, or maybe God is revealing the different things that we have not excluded out of our faith. Like the little things that just kind of, those 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 creepy little idols that just kind of make their way into our lives. What if this is God's way of weeding some of those idols out and saying, okay, like if you are going to grow in faith, I am going to, you are going to be put in life situations that are going to cause you to be faithful um, because I'm going, you're going to see how futile these, these things are. And, and we don't look at it that way. Instead, we look at it as like, oh, this, this thing's going to, but instead God is going, no, no, no. I want your faith to grow in me and not in these other comforts of this world, not in things like um, money, not in things like um, um, comfort or other people or um, substances or w- whatever those things are. And so there are going to be ways that those get weeded out of our lives. And oftentimes they are, they're difficult ways, but they're going to cause you to grow deeper in your faith. Uh, which is going to cause you to believe more in Christ at the exclusion of those other things, which is all the better. Right. And we, we know that intellectually and we know that for other people, I think most of us who follow Jesus have seen that work out in other people's lives where you think, man, that was a really hard circumstance, but I've seen you grow through that and I see your faith in that. Um, but we don't like it for ourselves. No. Right. You know, we, we're all about, I mean, even as a culture, we're all about discipline for other people. But for ourselves, <laughs> yeah, we want right. the easy road, right? Like, But I think that's why James was saying, like, in, in baked into this passage was the fact that we're supposed to pray together. You know, that was that was one of the big things that stood out to me was there is, there is this communal aspect of prayer right. that is so necessary. And for James to say, like, go to the elders and ask them to pray for you. Pray and confess with one another. And I think that we we grow and we're we're better at that when we do that together as a family than if we're just you know on our own doing it because yeah it doesn't feel good you know it doesn't feel it's a lot like working out it doesn't feel great to do it by yourself but if you get a group of people to do it right. together there's more um, joy in doing it together yeah I mean certainly we're called to bear one another's burdens and there's something really powerful that 
happens when we do that. So I do want to touch on that because I thought it was really great that you touched on that communal prayer. Um, and I, I thought your three points were were fantastic for what we need that to pray earnestly, um, to pray communally, and to pray um, faithfully. I think when I think about that communally, I think we struggle with that as a culture. I mean, one, because in order to pray together the way that they did in the early church, um, there has to be a transparency, a vulnerability that is not always the norm in our culture. We're really good at asking people for prayer requests, right? Like we're really good. Hey, please pray for this or pray for this. Like that's normal in our culture. It's not as normal to sit together in a group of people and just cry out to God, you know, right together. Why do you think that is? I, I mean, I think it's because we're a product of our culture and I think we're a product of our time. And I think right now that is not necessarily a, a unique problem to the church. I think the the prayer component is, but right now, and I mean, this is, this is one of the things that I listen to. I listen to a lot of stuff about, you know, teenagers and what are some of teenagers biggest struggles and issues. And right now, because of the internet, because of social media, because of um, all of these different sources that are allowing us to do things kind of pseudo together gives the illusion of together, but we're not actually together. It's creating this illusion of it. And we are, we are right now witnessing the loneliest generation um, ever. And we are seeing products of uh, depression, anxiety, stress, all all of these things are manifesting out of it because we, we don't really do life together that well. And so we shouldn't be surprised when like the way that we disperse information out to each other is through, you know, a screen, like through Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Well, how else would we pray for one another than a prayer chain? You know, like we would just like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, put it up on here. And that's going to be the way that we communally pray rather than actually face to face together, spending time together, praying with one another. So I think that that's a kind of a product of our time. Okay. So you touched on a couple of things there that I think are important. One is we have to confront the, loneliness epidemic that we have and it's not just with teenagers it's also with adults now i think we are just spread too thin relationally we don't have i mean i think part of what defines biblical community is a sense of responsibility right right so if you don't feel responsible for a person and they don't feel responsible for you then whatever we call that it's not deep biblical community you might i have a lot of I have a lot of acquaintances and there's a sense in which I have community when I go to a, you know, a youth sporting event, you know, or I go to Walmart or I go to like whatever I, there's a sense of community. There are people I recognize, people I might say hi to people that, you know, I like and that I enjoy talking to when I have the opportunity. That's not the same thing as a group of people that you say, I'm, I'm responsible for your your walk with Christ and you take responsibility for mine. You think about like an immediate family versus like, so I coach kids and Mm -hmm. I care about all those kids, but I don't feel a sense of responsibility for them in the same way that I do for my, for my sons and my daughter, right? Like I, I take responsibility for them. If, if, um, if one of my kids doesn't have food to eat, that's on me. Like I try to figure it out. I'm happy to help. If I see a kid that I know or any, like whatever that's hungry, I'd be happy to, you know, buy them something. So that's what I feel like. But but there's, there's a difference between that and saying like, I'm making sure that you've eaten. That's what I feel like happens with prayer in the church. 
there are a lot of people who are totally happy to pray for somebody. Like, if you need something, ask me, I'll pray. Like, I just prayed for somebody today who just said, hey, would you pray for this? I'm like, yeah, let me pray for you right now. Totally, like, that's, and that's good. Like, we should pray for that. But when James is talking, what he's talking about here is much more of a sense of responsibility, like a communal, like, transparency. You talk about confessing your sins to one another. This is much more of, like, the brother-sister family-type responsibility for one another. And that's what pushes against our culture. Like, how do you get to a place that um, where you know that there are people that you're saying, man, I, I feel responsible to proactively pray. That would, might be another way to think about it, is who do, you, who do you feel responsible to proactively be praying for? And those are the people that you probably should be praying communally with, like just pulling people together yeah, and saying, yeah. hey, let's just, let's just call out to God together. Let's not just let's not reduce praying for one another to just a prayer list of prayer requests, which are good. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying there's something even deeper here when you're talking about praying communally. It's both with people you feel responsible for, but also people that you have this common desire, you know, with. Yeah, it's interesting how I I feel like man, it's such a beautiful picture of being painted of being responsible for one another in prayer, and it feels like when we gather together. We we focus in on so many things, and prayer tends to be the afterthought. And just like, what would what would it look like if prayer wasn't the afterthought, but prayer was like the the centerpiece of of why we gathered together, why you gathered together with with some of the families you gathered together. Um, I just like I I think if we were to do that, we would see God working in ways that we're, we're probably just not even seeing right now. He, he's working in some incredible ways, and we're we're kind of missing it because we're not even aware of it. Um, within our families. But man, I love the, it's something you've said before. And I just, I love the idea of responsibility. And, and I think if we are to take seriously what James says about prayer in James five, then that responsibility for others, um, we would feel it in prayer where, where we maybe don't necessarily feel it now. Yeah, I think, and I, I think we've seen that. I mean, one thing that is changed here is over the last couple of years or last year or so um, as an elder team we now pray we used to do what I've always done in the past which is like in an elder meeting um, like with most Christian meetings you might open in prayer but the prayer time is really at the end yep yeah and so we made the decision I don't remember how long ago it's been now maybe it's been a year about that yeah um, where we said you know what this is the most important thing we do when we get together is pray for the church. So let's do that at the beginning. Like while we're fresh, while we're have all of our faculties or whatever, like let's, let's call out to God on behalf of our church family. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm Same. really thankful because yeah. I'd much rather, I'd much rather have all the energy go to that. And then there have been times where we have prayed for so long and been in that realm for so long that by the time we are done with that, we all feel a little drained. Yeah. And some of the business stuff gets pushed back to the next meeting or takes a back seat. And that to me feels worth it. Absolutely. When when that happens at the end of an elder meeting, I feel okay. In the past, when we've had like a long conversation about some um, church business item more, more or less, even if it's a good thing, even if it's a shepherding thing, and then we get to the end, we're like, oh, yeah, like we're tired now to be able to pray. I've always felt like, mm, 
I don't love that. And well, how so, many times do we just default to like one person? They're like, well, right. I'll close this out in prayer. Yeah. And then and we do that sometimes at area lunch. We, yeah. we do this a lot at area lunches. We're still trying to figure this out. That, yeah. Like saying, okay, what does it look like to, to let our first thing be like, let's go to God in prayer. Or it doesn't always have to be the first thing. Like I don't, it's so easy to turn all this stuff into legalistic. Things. Right, so right, 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 right. Um, it's, it's more of the understanding that, we are in the presence of God. He hears us. I mean, we've, we mentioned this before and we did at the men's conference, we talked about how it's so funny how we spend more time talking about what we're going to talk to God about than actually just talking to him and how ridiculous that would be in a group of people. If we all like if Christoph, if you're sitting there in a group of people and we're all sitting there and we're all saying like, okay, let's all go around and say like, what's something you want to talk to Christoph about? And you're sitting there, and we're like, "Well, I want to talk to Christoph about this thing," and I want to, and you'd be like, "Dude, I'm right just, here. Just talk just to talk me, to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. literally." And so we spend so much time saying, "This is what I want to talk to God about," and then at the end, we just say, "Okay, God, all those things you just heard, that's, that's Amen. the thing." Amen. Yep. And I, I don't bring that up to like make anybody feel guilty or to feel like, "Oh, we're doing it wrong." It's just like a growth thing of saying, "Okay, well, but can, is there more we can press into?" If you've ever prayed with people in different cultures, every culture has its own way of communally praying. And I've been in some cultures where I thought, oh man, this is so much better. Like this is, um, this is how you pray communally. And I'm trying to think of like, figure out ways. How do we do that more and more? I mean, another way that we do it, not only elder meetings, but on Sundays, um, we're much better now at like when somebody needs prayer, we just, Grab, grab some elders yeah, together and right there. pray for them. Yep. And, and oftentimes, I will say this, like, oftentimes it is after Sunday mornings like that or it's after, you know, those elder, morning, elder meetings where yeah. we're, we're spending time in prayer that I'm just like, I'm encouraged and I'm like, I'm fired up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I, I, I never leave that feeling bummed out like, oh, that was such a, you could have used time so much differently. I'm, I'm, it's, it's always kind of the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, like we want to just keep doing that more and more. And I would encourage people to do that. That's a practical thing with this. You, um, I just love like, so verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Like, I think I mean, that, that covers a lot of bases. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely an implication in there. Just about anything you're going through, prayer should be the response, which isn't always like a formal thing. Of, it's like just an ongoing conversation. But one of the things that I hope that it it would embolden um, us to do as a church family is to take advantage of the opportunity and and actually pray for somebody when they ask. Like, so I, I started to go down this road where I say we're really good about doing the prayer request thing. We're also really good about telling somebody, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pray, pray about for you. that. Yep, yep. And, and I've said this before, and I remember somebody saying it years ago that really convicted me of just saying, just pray for them there. Like, pray for them on the spot. I can tell you, whenever somebody, I mean, especially when someone asks, like, hey, would you pray? Or if I ask somebody how you're doing, if I say, Hey, how are you doing? They share something with me. I I will often ask like, well, could I, could I be in prayer for you for that? And usually people say, sure. And then I ask like, well, could I just pray for you right now? Um, and I have never had anybody say no. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe they're doing it just out of being polite. Like, I don't just push that on people, but it's like if they want to share something that they're concerned about and if they're open to me praying for them, then why not pray for them right then? So, and certainly with other Christians, like it's a no brainer with other Christians. Anytime somebody shares anything about like, hey, if you could be in prayer for this, like just pray for them right there. It's so, it's so powerful. It's so encouraging. It's such an incredible way to minister to people, to just, to pray to not just tell somebody you're going to pray for them, but to actually pray for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to find it weird. Honestly, like when I first got over to him. So if anybody, like if you were the one praying to some or someone, you praying asked to me, someone, I definitely feel weird. Well, no, 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 but pray, pray, you know, praying what I mean. for like, somebody. Yeah. For, okay. Yeah. Like I used to feel like, uh, it's awkward. Like over the phone, when people would pray with me over the phone, I'd be like, oh, it's kind of awkward. Or if they'd pray like that kind of sure. thing. It took me a little bit to get over that hump. So I'm just saying that as an encouragement. If you're sitting there and hearing that and saying, ah, oh, I don't know if I would have the courage to do that. Let me just tell you, it's one of those things that it is the enemy who is telling you it's awkward. It's true. It's not true. the Holy Spirit. So trust him, do it. Then you'll see. And then it becomes normal. Yeah. It's like any kind of prayer, just prayer in general. People always feel there's all these obstacles. Like, oh, I don't pray out loud. Well, start praying out loud. Start with a short prayer. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be, like, just start there, and that will become more normal. And now it's totally normal to me. Like, it doesn't feel weird at all to just, like, say to somebody, like, hey, can I just pray for you right now? And, um, and I'm so, yeah, so that just needs to be part of our culture. Just like, why do we, why do we just talk in these generic terms of like, well, Hey, if you could pray about this, Oh yeah, I'll pray about that. Like instead. Okay. Yeah. Pray. Pray. I, it, it's funny. I'll even take it a step further than just even praying on the phone is like, I've gotten a few text message prayers, you know? And, uh, I don't think I've ever received somebody who has like written out a prayer on text message for me and felt discouraged about it. I've always felt like. Oh my right. goodness! Thank you so much. Like, and yet we feel weird doing that. But I don't. I don't think I've ever had a moment where that has felt awkward. In fact, I've always felt really encouraged, and I've always felt really encouraged. I didn't share this story um, on Sunday. Uh, I was going to, and I couldn't totally fit it in. But um, one of the other things is just when, when like, whenever somebody pops into your mind, just like stop, yeah. pray for them, and then text them. Just say like, "Hey, yep, um, I pray for you." That's another thing that we could get, you know, that's something that I've tried to get into a, a habit of doing is whenever just somebody comes into my mind for whatever reason, I'm just going to take that as like God's prompting of like, Hey, that person needs to be prayed for. Yeah. Like what's the worst that happens? They don't text you back. Okay. They just text you back up. Thanks. Okay. Like that's fine. I, you know, all right. That brings me back, man. That was a phrase that we used for a while of like, if you think about someone, pray for them. And if you pray for them, let them know. Is that a thing? Yeah. It was, it may have been free guy. I don't remember. I just, I remember, and we used to use that back in Colorado. We would tell people to do that of just, yeah, if you think of them, pray for them. If you pray for them, let them know. tell them. Yeah. And love it. And it's so simple. It doesn't have to be this long prayer. But going back to your thing about the text prayers, that's another thing that, I, yeah, I thought at first I was like, well, that feels weird or whatever. It's not. No. It's amazingly encouraging. I will tell you that when people say, like, wow, well, I don't know what to say to them, just pray for them. And if you, send them a text and you just, and it's a prayer that the Lord would minister to them and lift them up and encourage them or heal them or comfort them or whatever it is that they need. And you're just praying to God on their behalf and sharing it with them. That is so encouraging to people. Absolutely. Now, if you're sending them a text prayer of, you know, Lord, please show Christoph why he's such a dummy and (laughs) you know, he should, (laughs) 
that that, he <laughs> that might be discouraging. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's ways to weaponize prayer like that, but to just genuinely lift somebody up um, is so encouraging. So, so those are a couple of things I would say are really practical. If we want to like develop a culture of communal prayer, it needs to start in those areas of pray when you have the opportunity, like pray right now, or you know, in texts and emails and like everything, just like just having a culture of, man, the most important thing we can do is lift this up to God, which the last thing that I, I think um, would be good to even land on, unless there's something else that you want to is this whole narrative with Elijah. And I love how it's pointing out that he, Elijah, who would have been seen and still like still is, but certainly then like he, he is a hero in the faith. He's like, heralded, he's, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And James is saying he had a nature like ours. Mm-hmm. He's a regular man. What made him like what made him a hero in the faith was his prayer of faith. Right. And so I love that. Like you want to know what it looks like to be great in the kingdom. It's to have faith in God and to call out. That's what makes somebody great. It's not that Elijah was the greatest apologist in the world. It's not that he um, was the most educated or the most forceful leader or any of those things. What made him great was his prayer, his prayer life. Yep. And so what an incredible challenge of that, of just saying, okay, so you think Elijah's great? Yeah, but he was just like you. I, no I love that. Man, that, that line just stuck out to me. Because, <laughs> yeah, Elijah's, man, Elijah got to witness some really incredible things. Yes. But yeah, like his but but it was it was it was relying on God. It was his faith in God. It wasn't because of Elijah, it was because of God. Like right. all those things were from God. And that's that's the point. So I yeah, that really stood out to me. And I, I think that's a great place to land the plane because that just reminds us that like, yeah, maybe you when when you think of people who are prayer warriors, and we even use that language of, of prayer warriors, um, and man, how awesome that is. But any sort of um any sort of blessing that comes from that is given by God. That is that is all by him and through him. And uh, those people who are quote-unquote prayer warriors, um, it's because of the work God has done in their life. It's not because of them necessarily. It's because of God. And we put our faith in him. Our our confidence, our faith is, is in him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the other part of that that I think is so powerful and important is James is, is exhorting us to, to pray, like to not be passive. Like the answer of this is not, you know, like he just has had that section where he says, you know, you should say if the Lord wills, like don't say like, oh, hey, I've, I'm going to go into this town and spend um, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Um, and he's saying like, look, God is sovereign over all. And so who are you to make these plans? I mean, God is the one who knows what's going to happen. And that could lead into a fatalist type place right, of, right, right. well, why pray? If God's just going to do what God's going to do, why pray? And James pushes back on that here and says, like, if you're, if you're suffering, if you're rejoicing, if you're sick, like pray. And then he calls out Elijah and says, like, he had a nature like ours and he prayed. And this is what happened. So James clearly doesn't have a problem walking in that tension. Absolutely. Of yeah. God is sovereign. And he is the one who, like, it's if the Lord wills. And at the same time, calling on those who are found the righteousness in Christ to lift people up and to pray and to ask God and to be bold. And so I think 
one thing that I would want to encourage people is not only, so if anything out of this podcast, like one is be bold in, in praying for your brothers and sisters and for others. Like if someone asks you to pray for them, pray for them right there. Like if that's one thing that comes out of this is we develop a culture where people say, let's just, let me pray for you right now. And the other is pray bold prayers. I often, when I'm praying for healing for somebody, I often even preface it of like, you, God, you tell us to just make our request known to you. Like we're like, we're your children. And so I'm just a child saying like, I want you, I want you to bring healing. Like I want you to heal this person. And I don't, I don't have any qualms about praying that, you know, unless, unless the Holy Spirit tells me not to like, and and that has happened though. That's rare. I like where you just feel like, okay, no, God, you're, you're wanting me to pray this thing. Like by all means, like, listen, the Holy Spirit will guide you in what to pray. And that's one thing we've talked about before that as you're praying out loud or like, and you're processing the Holy Spirit will shape your prayer. Like I've definitely found myself praying in a different direction than where I started because you know, like they say, it's, it's easier to steer a moving ship. Like if you're actually praying, then the Holy Spirit like starts moving and saying, okay, but here's a better prayer. But that doesn't stop me from praying boldly for, for these things. And, and, um, my hope is not that God's going to answer my prayer in a specific way, but my hope is also not in that I'm going to understand the mind of God or know what he like. So I'm going to go ahead and tell him just like we would want a child to tell us, like, I have no problem when my kid says, dad, I, w- I want pizza for dinner. I'm like, I totally get that. We're not going to have pizza. We're having tacos, but I totally get that. I'm glad you told me you wanted pizza. And then there would be other times where I'm like, yeah, we could totally have pizza. And so it's, it's praying boldly and not measuring or qualifying our prayers, not hedging our bets in our prayers is really important because it demonstrates a childlike faith and dependency on God. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm praying for healing, if I qualify my statements of like, God, I want you to heal, but we trust you in case you don't want to do that or whatever. Like, I'm not saying you have to or whatever. That's qualifying and hedging. Don't do that. Just pray boldly and trust God to say like, listen, these are my childlike prayers of faith because I know you're capable of all this. So I'm just going to tell you what I want. And I'm going to trust that you're going to, you're going to answer this prayer one way or another. You're going to bring our hearts to a place to trust you more deeply in that you're not healing this person, or sometimes you're going to heal this person, whatever it is, but it's not my job to filter my prayers. And we live in a culture that feels like we need to filter our prayers. And I would just say, don't right. let like be open to your prayers changing, but let the Holy spirit change those prayers. Don't preemptively, you know, shift them. Don't preemptively filter them. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit yourself. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. You tell God what you want and what your desire, and then let him shape your desires and show you what better thing he has. Amen. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, like, and this is what I what I hope we take away is just pray. Like we we need we need to be a church and a people that pray. Uh, maybe praying, you know, uh honestly, earnestly, be praying, you know, together as a family and be praying faithfully you know, boldly and, and faithfully knowing that God, God is good. And we get an opportunity to see him at work. And that's, that's awesome. It is pretty great. So we want to help you do that. Obviously it's hard to pray communally if you don't have community. And I, it is just weighing on me as we have more and more new people coming that, that people would be connected. And so we want to help you do that. You can reach out to us, obviously attend an area lunch, um, or come and hang out with us. 
uh, talk to us after a service or give us a call or email us at connect at faithpestigo.com and let us know how we can help you um, get connected because that's so critical. Um, we hope that this has been helpful to you and encouraging uh, as you try to pursue Jesus and as we do it together as God's family on mission. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Till next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.